Hello, podcast listeners. We're back in the bucket for another episode of PWC Connections, the podcast. That's what I'm talking about. I'll be one of your hosts. My name is Lamont Henson, and joining me this time in the bucket will be Nicole Stick. Coley Cole. How's it going, man? Um, you know, I was having a fairly sad day until I found out I was going to be on here with you, Lamont. This has just been the highlight of my day today. What oh, a- and Miss Ball, too. I don't want to forget to mention the line in there. <laughs> what a coincidence. I was feeling the same way until I found out the news. Okay, so we're in the bucket. Let's get serious. We're in the bucket. Uh, it, it, we're, we're getting close to warmer weather and springtime, but we're not quite there yet. Some people are dealing with some winter storms in various parts of the country. In particular, uh, hitting national news is what's taking place in Texas. So we were fortunate enough to have our new CEO, general manager, Miss Elena Ball, who is from that area to kind of sit down, chat with us and give us a breakdown of what's going on and how that compares to what we got going on here in Fayetteville. So let me open it up by saying, hello, Ms. Ball, how are you? I'm doing great, Lamont. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Uh, This is your second time on the podcast? It's the second time in the bucket. Second time? Okay. I guess we didn't scare you off the first time. (laughs) No, no, not not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we're seeing it on the news. You're seeing it on social media. Uh, The situation that's taking place down in Texas where that winter storm has caused a terrible freeze over and caused a lot of damage to the grid. If you could just give us a, a breakdown or overview or help us understand what's happening. Well, I, I think in simplest terms, um, it, it snowed at the Alamo, right? Mm. <laughs> that never happened. Never that happened. Just, right. That just sums it up. It got very, very cold. It snowed on the in the southernmost parts of Texas. All of all of the counties in Texas, every single one of them got put under a, a, a winter storm warning. So a uh, tremendous amount of, of cold, multiple days of it. Uh, and just a ton of snow and ice. And so that was really the event that caused everything to kind of kick off. But uh, the grid just really had a lot of problems. Um, There were, probably you saw on social media, there were a bunch of wind turbines in the western part of the state, which is where I grew up, that iced over. And and that happens from time to time. But there were 12,000 megawatts Mm. of wind turbine capacity that were iced up. And they can't, you can't spin a wind turbine with ice on the blades because it'll tear up the blades. It will delaminate them. So they have to be pushed off the grid really for their own protection. Mm. Um, but to, to kind of explain what, what is 12,000 megawatts? Um, right. Well, if you are a fan of Back to the Future, that would be 10 of the Back to the Future cars, right? Because they were 1.21 gigawatts gigawatts which was just really gigawatts but anyway uh in 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 all seriousness in real terms that is roughly 20 times the peak energy usage that we have here in this region and supply from Fayetteville so a lot of wind capacity came off another another big problem and I think as the the state and the regulators and the legislature start peeling it back um there were some extreme gas shortages and you know day in day out in Texas I mean we're we're very fortunate to have a lot of, of different types of energy and have a lot of natural gas. Um, but because of the cold weather, gas became constrained, very constrained. Typically, you'll pay um, about two, two, anywhere from 2 to $4 an MMBTU, which mm-hmm. is a fancy uh, shorthand for basically a unit of measure of, of natural gas. And so 2 to $4 is about average. 
in during this event in in Houston at the Ship Channel, which is one of the trading hubs, uh, they were trading at one hundred and sixty seven dollars. So think about that, and that's, that's crazy direct energy costs, right? And what that translated into is uh, plants came offline. Some of them came offline because they froze. They had frozen frozen parts and, and pieces. But also some gas plants just couldn't run because they couldn't get the gas. And those that could run uh, were paying an extremely high amount of money to run. On the electric side, the whole most of most of Texas is connected into this central market and grid. Um, the utility I just I just came here from is not so right. El Paso made you know na national news as as to being reliability, but we can we can take that offline. Uh, the the guys kept the plants really reliable, and I was glad to see that. Hey, guys and gals, um, good but, job El Paso. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Big shout out to my team. Miss them. Um, so you know the the, the you're here the, now. We got her now. We. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, the, the, this market, the central market, um, the prices really blew out. And because of all of this, people needed energy. The plants couldn't produce it. Their gas was high. Electricity typically goes for about 20, right now it's about $22 on average mm -hmm. per megawatt. Um, and for a period of 90 plus hours, it traded at $9,000. So almost 400 times the normal price of, of electricity. Uh, maybe I was I didn't hear that correctly. You said it was it started off at $22? Correct. And went to? 9,000. That's okay. almost hard. Like I can't even comprehend that. Right. And there have been a few times in the past where there's been either a, an extreme weather event or something unusual happens and, and you could get up to 5,000, but usually it's only for a couple hours, not, not, not days. And so um, then there just were more emergencies that that caused. Because um, it's usually like a snowball effect when those things effect. and the, you're you're concentrating on the electric and you're not really thinking about the other things that come along with that until it's smacking you right in the face. Right. Yeah. The, the water became the big issue next mm -hmm. because a lot of the a lot of the um, and, and I think it's important to, to recognize it, when you're living in ERCOT and all these utilities are interconnected in the central group, right? Everybody puts all their energy in and uh, customers consume out of it. Even if you're a utility, let's let's pick on one of my old utilities, right? Austin Energy. Let's say Austin needed 1,900 megawatts or 2,000 megawatts for the day. Um, if they had 2,500 megawatts of power generation running, they still had to curtail their customers. They had to shut their customers down because there wasn't enough energy for everybody. So everybody has to shut down their share when there's a generation shortfall, even if they have plenty of generation. So right. it's a it's a real it's a really tough to explain that. But what resulted in it, what happened was uh, almost a week long um, uh, set of outages that impacted millions of of Texans. Those who did have power were paying, you know, were, were you know, uh, getting huge, huge energy costs being um, assessed, and 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 the water stopped moving, right? And and this impacted many, many water systems. And we know here at PwC, you know, we've got to keep the water moving. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you don't, uh, you can get contamination and 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 have issues. It becomes a health issue. It does become a yeah. health issue, and so um, Texas stayed in the cold for several days. So there were main lines that broke. Uh, water wasn't moving. And so uh, the next emergency became water. I mean, it mm -hmm. really highlighted how essential electric and water are and how much they work together. And, and, and now really it's a, it's, it, you know, folks are looking at the market design and saying, Hey, maybe that, that this isn't the way we want to do this. 
um, and they're looking at gas, I think will be a, a big part of this story of how to how to build an even more reliable gas system. Um, and, and maybe even some changes to how utilities contract for gas, because that's, I think, an underpinning as well. Um, so lots of interesting and, and, and devastating things that happen in Texas. I guess maybe pivoting, a lot of folks might be thinking, um, well, what could that happen here? You know, could that happen with us at PwC? Exactly. And I will never say never. Okay. Right. I will never say never because 2020, I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just it kept on giving. I know, right? And I think we're in the 14th month of it, right? Or 15th? <laughs> Is this the 15th month of 2020? Yeah, it's about the 15th. Uh, so at any rate, no, but uh, you really can't, you can never say never, but we do have some really different situations. We're really situated very differently here in North Carolina. Um, we have all, we get all of our energy from, from um, Duke and we have it delivered in, in multiple places to our service territory. So uh, the lines that, that come from Duke's um, facilities connect up in different places in our service territory. So what that means is we've got redundancy. We have um, more reliability because we're not, we're not confined to just one big grid and one point of delivery. So that's, that's one thing. In addition, we have our own power plant sitting in here, right? We've got a, we've got a power generating station. Now Duke tells us when we, they want it turned on and off, um, but our team maintains it and operates it. And should we ever get into a situation where we needed it here locally, it's here. And so that's, that's great. And the team does a terrific job of maintaining our units and making sure they're ready to go anytime that the grid needs them. Uh, we, we ourselves had some cold weather many years ago. In fact, the week all of this went out, I went out and visited Ace and the team. And can I just say how cool would it be to have the name Ace? Right. Our plant manager's I don't name even, is Ace. I don't even know what his real name is anymore because I've just gotten so used to calling him Ace. I just feel sad that I didn't name my son that, you know? <laughs> I really, there's a mom shortfall. But so went out to visit our plant manager and, and Ace and the team. And, and um, we were, we were ch chatting and, and talking about all the, all the prep that and, and, and things that we've done um, after our learnings of cold weather. And there's a lot of simple things. Uh, heat tracing. You know, this is just electric heat tape that you put around critical instrumentation, putting, putting really sen sensitive things in enclosures, uh, making sure we have checklists and we run through and exercise those. So we, we've got a lot of good things in place. And, and one thing that I think is, is really wonderful, um, if you go by our power station, and you may be a, not an energy nerd like me, but any community I go in, I, I hunt out the power plants and, and I, I drive around and look at them because I'm a nerd. Um, but <laughs> if you go by our power station, you'll see these big tanks out there. It's like, where are all those big tanks? Mm -hmm. So our station normally runs on natural gas, just like I was describing a lot of the, the plants in, in Texas do. But what's wonderful is ours is ours, ours can, we have units that can also run on um fuel oil that we can run on a different fluid. And so as a result of that, that gives us more reliability than, than a, a, a power plant that just runs on natural gas. So that's pretty cool. Um, I think on our poles and wires, you know, occasionally we get hurricanes and things. Uh, the team here does a phenomenal job. One, our system is really, really um, redundant as well. And we all live and work here. You know, we're local public power. We're your friends and neighbors. We care for you. We want to make sure your lights are on. You're not waiting for someone to come in from, from Charlotte or Raleigh or wherever. And our team just hustles. They just, they get it done. And so uh, when we do have inclement weather, which we will, um, just, I think it's just important for folks to know that we got really dedicated friends and neighbors who are so committed to keeping the power on and keeping the water flowing. Is that one of those things where I guess being in this region 
can be helpful. We have to prepare for natural disasters like hurricanes and uh, tornadoes may even come this way, whatever. But maybe that region, Texas, not they don't have to deal with uh, winter storms on a regular basis, I would imagine. So did this situation kind of just catch the whole system or situation off guard? Yeah, you know, I think I think it's in. And, and again, I don't have any any inside information or anything. You know, I just kind of I have friends and we talked and my phone was very busy that week uh, just in giving free advice for different things. But but, you know, we've had cold we've had really cold spells like this before i remember uh 2011 and 2014 had some very cold um snaps but those events were not as long they were not as pronounced and they were not as deep and so uh weather patterns seem to be changing and i think utilities are recognizing that that we're going to have to build even more resilient systems and be prepared for some of those extremes but texas definitely i mean I, i i i you know i always like to um, watch some of the, the late night hosts. I don't know if y'all remember, was it Johnny Carson? Do you remember him? <laughs> oh yeah. He made some bet some, with somebody about, you know, I'll do that when it snows at the Alamo. And then lo and behold, it snowed in the, Al- the Alamo <laughs> that year. But it, that was like probably 25 years ago. And it's never, it, never, it just does not, we don't get this kind of cold weather. It never snows at the beach. So this was an extreme, I guess they call them polar vortexes now. Mm-hmm. Used to just be a cold front when I was a kid, but it's a lot more exciting, polar vortex. But this was an extreme event that I, I definitely think uh, tested the limits of the gas system, power generation, and and certainly you know cascaded into water, and now uh, a financial uh, emergency that's going on. I guess what, what I'm familiar with is the uh, American Public Power Association, the APPA. Mm-hmm. Are they comparable to ERCOT, or is it something a little different? Yeah, it's a little different um, because APPA is really it's a great organization that. Um, allows all of the public power. So you can think about um, utilities kind of come in really three big flavors. Uh, They're co-ops, right, that are kind of member-owned. They tend to be rural. They're municipal systems like us where we have a city or a group of cities um, that that own the assets, right? Um, And then there are investor-owned utilities. And so APPA really takes care of those first two groups Mm -hmm. as a trade association. Um, and investor and utilities really are, um, you know, they're, they're traded on a stock exchange. And so their ultimate objective is, is to make sure that customers are taken care of, but also that, that their investors get a good return. So different, different models, but APPA really serves those first two. But on the notion of, you know, could we ever have $9,000 pricing? Uh, no. Okay. We're not, sitting, we're not sitting in a market construct like ERCOT. ERCOT doesn't pay for plants to be available. Uh, they just pay for energy. And so, and that's why the market has been designed with this huge system-wide offer cap. It, it, it's really in an attempt to try and spur investment, uh, but it just hasn't worked. <laughs> it just hasn't worked. And, and, and lo and behold, this event really exposed the, the, the challenges with that market design. And so you can kind of think of it as, um, do you ever Uber? Had you ever home pre-COVID? Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever Uber? That's mm-hmm. how the market works. It's like, well, Whatever the demand is and whatever the supply is, it'll all sort itself out. And so most days it works just fine. But if you're ever seven miles from your car after a UT football game, you know, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not speaking from personal experience, <laughs> but the prices go up, the availability disappears, and you got to decide: Am I going to walk to my car, or am I going to, am I going to pay it? And and 
it that's essentially how the market works in Texas and and the price is very very obviously get very very high right well I love that you mentioned Austin Energy because we're big fans of Austin here we went out there a, a few years ago for an APPA conference mm -hmm. and that was the first time that I'd really paid attention to um, deregulated uh, markets for energy supply mm -hmm. and I have a friend who lived right outside of Austin and she said it's so strange coming from Fayetteville where we're public owned like we are and she's like so I can have the co-op that serves me and then my neighbor across the street could have something completely different from me because that's how that stuff works there and she missed the reliability that she felt came with being uh, in a city like Fayetteville that is public power um, so I think it's uh, it's always interesting to hear about how other uh, places do it yeah. um, and that I think that kind of also drives home that we're doing things really well here and the redundancy thing is really cool too I love being able to tell our customers that when we have a power outage that just wait a few minutes and we can probably just reroute it and That's get right. you back on real fast and then we can come back in later and fix whatever the issue was so that way they're not out too terribly long that's right yeah yep. absolutely well uh you've gone through it just by having conversation uh, i guess this is you, you know your stuff and uh this is the easiest interview ever <laughs> <laughs> yeah we should we should take it to some harder questions or some, some iq questions what am i here for <laughs> to, to help ease the room nicole and you have done your job Okay, well, this has been a great episode. Thank you for taking the time to explain that and break it down. Uh, for our listeners, I want to let you know, our next episode, we're going to be going into Fix-A-Leak Week. So we're going to have two of our conservation specialists to kind of sit in with us in the bucket and tell us some ways that you can, the, the three Fs, the, the the float, the flapper, what's the other one to go? Ooh, you put the me fill, on the spot. The fill valve. There the, you the go, that's it. Boy, I failed that really bad. <laughs> so we're going to be talking a little bit about how you can kind of fix leaks on your own for Fix Elite Week. Uh, we'll also be t giving out other information on our upcoming virtual PWC Expo. So make sure that you check out our social media wherever you are. If it's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, it's F-A-Y-P-W-C. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel. We have plenty of resources and content there available so you can find tips on conservation as well as some of our incentive programs and much much more uh thank you again both of you thank you elena thank you nicole sure you bet. all right this has been another episode of pwc connections we'll catch you next time